count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. All right, y'all. Listen, I'm not really. I want to be honest with you, and that's why I'm here. I'm here to be an honest person. I'm here to be brutally honest with myself so I can learn about who I am as a human being out of the 108 billion that have existed. There's my job here, and I, I just want to be completely honest with y'all. I'm not insanely comfortable with it. What am I talking about? I'm talking about how we're going back to normal just so fast all of a sudden. Just a little scares me a little. I don't know. Just reminds me when I would go to the Williamson County Rec Pool Center in the summer with my dad and my sister. And there's a couple times, you know, where that kid, you know, did that thing in the pool like a jackass. And made you get out of the pool and your dad would give you 75 cents and you go buy some Cheetos and they clean it up and they say, okay, an hour later everyone gets back in the pool. It's like throw some chlorine on it, whatever. And that's kind of what I feel like everyone's doing with this COVID-19. It's like, I don't know about it. I just don't know about reacquainting with people at this close of a proximity. I just don't know. I'm not saying anyone's wrong. I'm not saying anyone's wrong. I'm just saying I don't know. And so I'm making moves that reflect the I don't know stance. And also, saying I don't know is no excuse to say I don't think about it and I don't ponder it. But I have been running every day. I've been getting out of the house doing four miles a day. And I've been noticing birds. I've been noticing birds more than I ever have in my life. And something that hit me the other day, this very sober thought, we envy birds. On an archetypal level, we envy birds. Birds are a martyr for freedom, right? They can fly. <laughs> you know, insert every song about flying that mentions birds. But listen, birds also have a bird brain. Why don't we ever talk about the bird brain? That's a major weakness, having a bird brain. You have this ability to fly, but you literally have a brain that is so bad, there is a nickname made after it. And it's like, we have a human brain. This is a this is a magnificent tool. This is probably the most powerful tool in the known universe, at least to our knowledge, regardless of how little frontal cortex percentage we execute on a day-to-day -day basis. Who cares? We have a human brain. So I think to the same degree that birds have a perception of freedom, say they have 100% freedom, um, to fly we have a hundred percent freedom to grow our consciousness and use that to expand the universe and create our own reality and and take all the chaotic potential that each day holds for us and turn it into a magnificent harmony of order and endless potential that can pay off for generations and wealth and happiness and longevity and legacy for your name and it's like we just want to fly in exchange for that i don't know i just think it's a perception thing here man <laughs> Not to go back, not to beat a dead horse here on the perception, and I would never, I, anyone who's from Tennessee, you would, you would know you don't fuck with a horse. Um, horses got you bad. I was doing mushrooms the other day with some uh, friends of mine, uh, Nick Fry and Jake Bostick. Nick uh, is uh, my right-hand man. He is uh, vocals, uh, rhythm guitar, uh, and, and just a madman, and writes guitar and writes songs with me in, uh, for the Cosmic Country Band. And... 
driven with me to Brooklyn and back in, you know, two days. And then we would play the show. We played a show in Brooklyn. And then he drove home with me that night at one in the morning from Brooklyn in my Toyota Corolla. And we just stopped and ate burgers the whole time. It was an intense trip. And then Jake Bostick, who plays bass in the Cosmo Country Band. We were doing mushrooms the other day. And it was just a really nice refresher that the perception that we presently have this is a it's like skin to a snake and it sheds and you leave it there and the nature does what it should do with it right it's the idea here that you're not trapped in your perception and that's kind of what COVID-19 showed me is that hey I am shedding my skin here y'all and give yourself that freedom to shed that skin give yourself that freedom when you're done listening to this sit down and write out how are you a new person just think about it. Just even think about the ways you want to be a new person. What are the new habits that you're doing? What are the habits that you're doing now that you're not even aware of that you should sit down and write that probably make up a large percentage of your behavior that you could take stock of? It's a magnificent thing, just taking stock of your perception. And aside from that, I'm really pleased to say that the first single from my first full-length record is here. Luck of the Draw, available everywhere in the known universe. Go listen to it now. Damn, that's my favorite Grateful Dead line ever. To my knowledge, there is only one person who gets Jason Isbell on their record, cuts a song with Okra Medicine Show, and has the ability to blend bluegrass, Americana, Indie music, folk music, all into one seamless, realized, delivered sound. And that is my next guest today, Miss Molly Tuttle. I came to learn about Miss Molly Tuttle two years ago, 2018. In September, we were both nominated for the same award at the Americana Music Awards, Instrumentals of the Year. She was the victor that year. I'm a very competitive person. Got me at the time. That was only because I didn't know who she was or, or what she was doing. Her music is extremely unique. Her guitar style is untouched. Nobody does what she does. Kind of does uh, the claw hammer style. You might see some banjo players do it, but the way she does it on the six string guitar, absolutely wild. In this episode, we talk about her life with alopecia, how she developed that at an early age, and how ultimately was a benefit for her in her life because she was able to confront a lot of self-identity issues that most of us aren't able to confront because we're not pushed to go there. We also talk about this really wild existential loss that sea angst that a lot of creatives, music industry aside, are facing right now due to this absolute world pandemic and societal change that seems to be happening at scale across the planet. And it's really in-depth friendly, humble, same page conversation that I learned a lot from and I just felt a weight off my shoulders after we had it. It was just such an enlightening, calm talk for these wild times. One and only, Miss Molly Talk. Hey, so that shirt is insane. Where'd you get that shirt? The shirt? Oh, it's from this company, New Works, that I love. They're out in California. New works. They get like different prints every season of like, really cool artists that they find. And yeah, this is my favorite. Do you buy a lot of clothes? I did before. I haven't been during quarantine. I haven't been buying like anything, but <laughs> I definitely was like 
<laughs> for like my weakness. You love buying clothes. <laughs> Do you like vintage clothes or you um like I'm a sneaker person. Like I'll spend like I'll drop like two hundred bucks on like a pair of sneakers, but like that's all I buy. Well, that sounds so fun. I almost like, I tried to get into sneakers for a little bit and I like watched this documentary and had friends telling me which ones to get. And then I was like, this is too much of a rabbit hole. I already like spend so much money on clothes. I can't do sneakers too, but um, wait, what was the question? (laughs) Oh yeah, I was just like, vices are funny things. Like what we spend money on. So it's like, you do have dope threads. (laughs) Like you always look super fly. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah, you're asking about vintage. I went through a vintage clothes phase, but the stuff never fits me quite right. So then I have to get it tailored, and that's like one too many steps. Usually. Oh, I know an awesome tailor. Do you have a tailor? No, I need a good tailor. Yeah, you absolutely do. Yeah, yeah. I thought I totally would have thought you had a tailor with all like the attention to detail you have in your aesthetic. (laughs) This woman, Sabelle Elena in Nashville, is actually she's an amazing tailor, and she's made me some outfits before, but I've never. Again, I'm like so lazy. I never go to get things tailored. So I should go to her and get my stuff tailored, but super lazy that way too. <laughs> I'm like I'm like lazy when it comes to like things that are not my car was asking me to get its oil changed for the past three months. Oh yeah, totally. It's like those like life things. But like I find with music like I'm super not lazy. My car has been like the batteries running been running low for months now. And I keep going places and I can't leave because my car is just dead. And then I have to like call someone like my boyfriend and I went to the drive-in movies and our car like obviously died because we were like listening to the movie on the speaker. And then we had to get like the drive-in person to come jump it. But I'm just so lazy. I don't want to like get a new battery for it. And so I'm just living with like the inconvenience of it dying all the time. (laughs) Does that give you anxiety? I don't know. Like I definitely, I think my anxiety is weird like I don't really plan ahead as much I just have like general anxiety so that sort of thing is something where I feel like I should be more anxious about it but I'm not (laughs) what do you mean general anxiety um I think I generally well like I have social anxiety I think I worry a lot about like just general future plans and stuff but not like the minute details as much oh my god Okay, so that's a real thing. Do you meditate? I do sometimes, yeah. It's hard. The other thing, when I get more anxious, I really that's when I don't want to meditate the most because then I have to like not distract myself from being anxious. What about you? Do you meditate a lot? Mm-hmm. I try to. Ten minutes a day. Yeah, totally. It's hard, though. Yeah, definitely. I feel like ten minutes is the point where it's like, just enough to keep yourself doing it every day. For me, if it's like 20 or 30 minutes, that gets hard to like want to do every day. Do you have any like daily habits that you do that? Well, of course we all have like daily habits. It's like ones we're probably not aware of. Right. But it's like, do you have any like, like self learned self habits? Maybe you even picked up during quarantine or, or like any vibes like that. Yeah, I've been going on a walk pretty much every day and then trying to write in my journal, which hasn't been an everyday habit, but I've done it like I've done a little quarantine diary, which is fun. Um, Those two things are kind of the most consistent. I've tried to get into like meditating and doing yoga, too, but that's kind of been on and off. Yoga is tough. Have you tried hot yoga? Yes, I used to do that. I kind of like built up to doing hot yoga and did that for a while and then stopped doing yoga altogether because I went on tour and then the hot yoga was like too much for me. (laughs) 
when you do the thing i always wonder about hot yoga is like i go in there sometimes obviously not recently but like some girls are wearing makeup oh right yeah and i'm like why i don't know i feel like it's just a comfort thing because like i have alopecia which i wear a wig but then every now and then i just don't want to not wear my wig during yoga and i've legitimately worn my wig in a hot yoga class and i was gonna ask because of alopecia you have an amazing point of leverage in your life to where you can completely control the aesthetic of what's going on top i feel it feels kind of weird in a way like it it can be invisible or it can be very visible and some days mm. going to hot yoga i would normally not wear it but then every now and then i just don't want to like have that anxiety in my head of like some days i just feel more anxious about it than others so that's a great question and like tell me like if if you don't want to talk about it but like it's very fascinating because i would think that you as your own person have, if you never lived in society you would never think about wearing a wig or not right but like right because you wouldn't have any norm to contrast yourself with but it's like the thing about alopecia like that is so it's such a great thing like in terms of someone like me like analyzing it and seeing how you how you leverage it in a in a way and leverage might not be the right word but you you use it in a way to relate to people through the idea of hey like this is my difference in the world and hey like you're brave by like giving it out there and putting it out in the world you associate with other people of alopecia you give back to it right like i've seen you do appearances and and things like that it's like that's really beautiful it's almost like that would be something i imagine at one point in your life maybe you're insecure about do you still have that that teeter-totter of sorts um not as much like yeah i was definitely insecure about it and i've had it since i was so little so i think just looking are you not born with i wasn't born with i got i lost all my hair when i was three so it's funny you're saying like if i wasn't in society i feel like when you're a little kid you don't have these societal norms really pressed upon you in the same way so like when i was little of course i didn't think about whether or not to wear a wig or anything and then as i got older it was like all these anxieties and insecurities came up and now I don't feel anxious about it really ever. I think I try to push myself to be really open about it. And I think the next step for me would be like playing on stage without my wig. Yes, I would probably be scared to do that at a normal show. I've done that before at shows where people, where it's like a benefit for alopecia or I'm talking about it or whatever. But um, yeah, there's always, I feel like a next level to really accepting it, which is kind of each, each time I get comfortable, like I remember just opening up about it on social media was such a big boost for me. It like made me so happy and confident feeling. And so I feel like you just kind of keep leveling up in a way. <laughs> Whoa. Does anyone else in your family have it? No, no one else. In my How family. do you get it? It's genetic partially. So there are other like autoimmune things in my family. So it's basically your immune system attacking your hair. Um, so like I have family members with thyroid things and allergy, uh-huh. kind of similar um, so you have to have the gene for alopecia and then, and it has to be contributed by both parents. So like both parents have to have it pass oh it on God. and then, um, then something else triggers. Cause not everyone with this gene gets alopecia and maybe someone will have this gene and get a different autoimmune disease, or maybe they won't get any. So they think that there's another trigger in the environment or like maybe some hormone or maybe you get a flu and it triggers it, but they're oh. not totally sure 
and it's probably different for everyone what exactly causes it do you remember any pain in the process like in a physical sense um no no pain at all your hair just kind of gets weaker and then it falls out it kind of like breaks off and then falls out and i when i was so little and i got it my mom said i would like to scare her would just like pull out chunks of my hair because like, <laughs> it didn't hurt at all you just kind of like pull it out and it comes out <laughs> and of course that like freaked her out but <laughs> i bet you thought it was funny yeah and then my <gasps> brother started trying to do it my little brother he was like trying to be like me but he actually developed like a little something <laughs> it's trichotillomania i guess but he was just like kind of copying me to freak out our mom and he was probably like one or two. <laughs> oh, that's so funny though yeah <laughs> but sometimes you go to hot yoga and you're like fuck this i'm not wearing this way yeah sometimes i just like don't want to think about it I like now I pretty much never wear my wig but I remember at first like when you're going to a new yoga place and you need to feel out the vibe sometimes you just I just like want to wear it sometimes and I try not to beat myself up about that (laughs) now are wigs is that something you think a lot about or do you do you have like several is there a collection there's a collection going actually that's been one of my things since this all started i've wanted to have more of a wig collection and i do think about wigs a lot and that's something i want to experiment more with um so i was just kind of ordering some online every expensive i'm sure they can be they can be the one i'm wearing now is really expensive um the other ones i was buying i just gave myself like a hundred dollar budget and got like a few wigs that were like $20 each. And they're really cute. Like they're not wigs I would wear every day, but it was a fun way to just dip my toes into experimenting. I think it can be really daunting to, cause it, they can get so expensive and you don't want to like spend a ton of money on a wig you don't like. But. What's like an expensive wig go for? Um, they can go for, I feel like they go for any amount of money. Like right. the ones that are for medical use are usually like more expensive. So maybe like a thousand dollars, $2,000, but they oh, can shit. Or up to like ten thousand um, dollars. I think you can get really good ones for like a few hundred dollars, and then there's below like a hundred dollars. It might be, it's more of a like it's synthetic hair, and it might not last very long. Um, but you can synthetic hair. Yeah. <clears throat> what is that made out of? Just like plastic, basically. So the ones I was ordering were synthetic, because you can't find like human hair for human hair is expensive, and it's like. Wigs are getting more and more popular as like more and more people want to start experimenting with them. So then there's more of a demand. So the human hair, I feel like will only get more expensive, but then there's like synthetic ones that aren't quite as nice, but they're still fun. Are you opening the door for people to experiment with wigs and challenge this, <laughs> like they're like, uh, cause like, think about the, you have you, have you ever pondered the concept of how much self identity is tied into the follicle? aspect of life well that's yeah totally i think that's something i learned like just the last few months experimenting with wigs i was like this is so cool that like it's kind of you take the power away from your hair in a way and you're like oh i can control this like i can wear whatever hair i want i can not wear hair i'm still the same person there's no real difference but it really felt it was empowering to i didn't i kind of didn't realize how empowering it would feel to start wearing a different wig every day or not wearing a wig some days. And it was a cool thing to, cool little quarantine activity. Oh my God, that's so crazy. So was was there a point in your life where it was perceived as a challenge and then turned into 
a point of leverage for self-growth? I think so. Yeah. Like in high school, I remember I like really didn't want to talk to anyone about it. I didn't really even want to talk to my family about it. I like opened up to some friends about it towards the end of high school, but I was pretty closed off. And I think people knew like that I didn't have hair because I didn't have eyebrows. I was like pretty obviously like wearing wigs. (laughs) (laughs) Fancy wigs or anything. (laughs) Um, So I think everyone knew it. I just didn't want to talk about it. And then after I got out of high school, I had the realization like, you know, everyone people are going to find out, or even if they don't find out, it doesn't feel good to have like a secret that's always weighing on me. So then I started taking little baby steps. And then once I think I opened up to a bunch of my friends about it in college, and then eventually like open up to my fans about it, that's when I felt like a self growth and like a big weight had been lifted. Oh my God. A big weight. How so? It really, (laughs) it felt like I, it was this thing that was constantly in the back of my mind and kind of like tense like inside me just this tense feeling about it like just basically keeping a secret or not being like totally open about who I was and then I really feel like I was just so much lighter like physically I felt just so much lighter and like there wasn't this worry in my mind about it oh my god I I really resonate when people talk about the phenomena of letting go of a lie and they or not a lie, actually, yes, lies, but things that are also less than lies. Right. Times when we're not being fully honest with ourselves and not being fully honest with others and, yeah. you know, and, and not rising up to an occasion when we know inside we should. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's such a fascinating thing that, like, so many people across so many cultures will be like, yeah, it feels like a weight that's lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. It's like, totally. It's like the same sensation. Have you ever written songs about it? I've tried to. I think, like, that's been something I'm challenging myself to do now. It's so hard to because every time I've written it, tried to write a song about it, it feels so on the nose. Like, I'm either describing exact things and it just doesn't really gel right. It's really hard to write about it, but I think it it seeps into my songs in subtle ways, for sure. Um, But, yeah, that's something I want to do more of. Hair really is not efficient. Like, it's not efficient, right? Like, have you come to that conclusion? Or like, or like, it doesn't make sense to have hair. Yeah, except I, I feel like, yes, it doesn't really make sense. But then I go outside and like, it is kind of scary to just have your scalp. Well, I guess male pattern baldness, like you get the sun on your head a lot. It's the worst in both worlds. <laughs> but yeah, it, I feel like it does protect you from the sun in some ways, but it's, it is a little much. <laughs> I've like thought a lot about hair and kind of convinced myself that it that hair is very strange so like you've been forced to think about hair (laughs) in ways i'm imagining over 99 percent of human race hasn't had to right that's true have you come to any truths that might benefit people oh that's a good question um i think yeah i think it truly is I used to hate when people say it's just hair and that can sound so like you're not empathizing with someone. I used to hate that, but then you get to the point where you're like, it is just hair. Like I'm wearing a wig. It doesn't really make a difference at all. I can wear a wig. I cannot wear a wig. It doesn't really matter. Um, just cause it's hair that's not attached to your head. It's like, I don't care. I think most people, if you don't care, then most other people don't care also. And if you're just, if you accept it, but that's easier said than done. Like it took me, like until I was in my twenties 
to really get to that point. So <laughs> I empathize with people and it's not just hair, like it emotionally um, affects you to lose your hair a lot, but I don't know, at the end of the day, you kind of just have to be like, whatever. You have to rise. Life gives you lemons and you literally are forced to grow and develop as a person to do so. Totally. Yeah. Do you feel like society's implications on females having to tend to an aesthetic more so than males is a, is a, is a relevant thing? Like, is that something that with the, with the challenge that you've had, is that something that you you've experienced? Likely for not people in your family who love you endlessly, but like, have people treated you weirdly and have people been like, you know, maybe even in your, in your professional career, have you ever noticed any kind of odd treatment or people not quite knowing how to take the situation? Yeah. I think anytime I'm like in a situation, not wearing my wig, people um, who have never, especially people never, who never met someone with alopecia, have no idea like what to say, like, and it's fine. I'm used to it. But then also if I'm just kind of like, minding my own business, people will come up and ask if I had cancer or they'll stare at me or um, people like get bullied, especially women get bullied for not having hair. And so, yes, like I get frustrated because I'm like, if I was a man, this wouldn't be an issue. Like the other day I was watching this like really stupid show on Netflix. Uh, it was Married at First Sight, like this horrible reality show. What's that about? It's about literally people getting married at first sight. Like That's such bullshit. Why would anyone, why the hell would you ever marry someone? Yeah. And then this like, guy was like completely bald. Like he uh, had hair, but had shaved his whole head. They were like, so what do you like, like looks wise? He was like, well, as long as their hair doesn't look at, like mine. And I'm like, screw you, dude. You are bald. And you're saying... <laughs> a bald woman like what sometimes i feel like the people who hate bald people the most are bald people so this brings me to a point Uh, molly i kid you not i kid you not i so for for a year i tried to wear glasses because i loved glasses i loved the look of glasses yeah and i had really bad migraines and sometimes when i wear the glasses they would help me with my migraines i was born premature three months and um i lived though and uh I have a deviated septum in my nose and it sometimes can cause just like blinding migraines. I used to stay on school, the school, you know, pass out just randomly, just terrible. Yeah. And, um, starting what's that? What does it feel like when you're starting to get a migraine? Like what are your, yeah, it's different for everybody for I, it, for me, it occurs usually in the top part of my head. And it just feels like an onset of pain is about intention to start to happen. It's no tickling sensation. It just strictly is just like you're turning the volume fader up on pain, up on pain, up on pain until you start kind of shaking and convulsing your hands slightly. You can't think about anything else except the pain. When I was young, I used to lose my vision. I would like start getting like cross-eyed. Um, it really would make you angry if you're a person who is short on patience like I am sometimes. Yeah. Um, makes you just really angry, just mad at everything. Like, almost feels like you haven't eaten in like 24 hours. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. It's really bad. But something happened like when I hit high school and puberty and all that happened. Like, I kind of grew out of it. But for some reason, when I moved out of my parents' house when I was 19, um, I had a great gig at Roberts downtown. I was making good money. So I was able to get my own place. And so, why the fuck not? Right. Mm-hmm. I started getting all this stress again. Mm-hmm. And so I figured, okay, well, the migraines are coming back. People say glasses helps. I don't know why. 
Anyway, I got these glasses, but I did my eyesight wasn't bad enough for them to give me any form of a prescription that was really noticeable. So they were basically just literally just glasses. And I was at Trader Joe's one day and the guy who was checking me out said, those glasses are bullshit. Those aren't real. <laughs> I was, and he was wearing real, like John Lennon, like actual, like real glasses. <laughs> like he might as well worked for like, like, he was like, like he might as well have been, he might as well have been in what's that place called C, like twenty first out. Like he might as well have been like the like the dude with glasses, like right. the conventional dude. He's like, hey man, those are bullshit glasses. He's like, literally, he got mad at me. He's like, people like you, they're part of the problem. I'm like, what? We're Trader Joe's. I'm trying to buy kale. That's all I'm doing. Oh my god, that is so, so a good example of like you don't know the backstory. <laughs> Why? <laughs> One looks the way they do or what why they're doing what they're doing <laughs> that leads me to ask you it's like people like people who shave their head are like are you ever like hey dude what get out of here people who shave their head no i i want everyone to shave their heads i'm like yes bald people are awesome like my friend Lou actually just shaved her head she's um, so cool yeah and i went over we did like a social distancing head shave in her front yard where she just shaved her own head and I read like a poem from this book the prophet about beauty and that was so cool and it felt really I don't know sometimes it's like I don't want people to be like I love when people shave their heads I guess for themselves because they want to feel empowered and because they love how it looks and stuff and I think people do it like in solidarity too but I think it's so awesome when people are just like I'm gonna shave my head especially women it's so cool well, you just brought up a great point, especially women. It's like, why is it deemed masculine when a man shaves his head? Mm-hmm. So, and then why is it deemed as taboo when a woman shaves her head? Right. I don't quite get that. Like, yeah. is it not, is it not just a path of solidarity and, and me kind of saying, I'm really comfortable with who I am on the inside. Yeah, totally. I think it's just like, there are so many roles about like how women should look and act. And um, I remember like, I posted a picture because I have armpit hair for some reason. I don't know why. How does that work? <laughs> I have no idea. It's just well, that's great. Some people don't, but I do. I posted a picture. I was like, <laughs> I'm not shaving my armpits anymore, and I posted a picture without my wig. And for some reason, so many people like I looked just out of curiosity, and I got so many people unfollowing me. Yeah. And- okay, if I lose my hair, not my own choice, it seems like people are cool with it and supportive, but if I'm doing some, expressing my hair, like, in a way that's not, that society doesn't like, and it's by choice, I feel like people aren't as cool with that, so that's why I like women shaking their heads by choice, it's like, yeah, stick it to the man. Yeah, because I think it's a bunch of insecure dudes who aren't comfortable with themselves, Mm. and they don't like when you challenge that part of their their reality. Totally. And it's like, why aren't we more comfortable with people? I read this quote the other day where it was like, a true friend is someone who challenges your ideas, not agrees to them. Totally. And it's like, that's kind of your job as an artist to be like, here's how I'm, I think Jason Isbell does a great job with this. I saw a tweet the other day between Casey Musgraves and Jason Isbell. I don't know if you saw it. Hmm. She was like, hey, Jason, let's do a contest to see how many many followers we've lost. Because they were... They were very much so active in retweeting and tweeting their own thoughts on the Black Lives Matter movement and all the happenings with George Floyd, et cetera. And Jason was like, actually, I've gained 10,000 followers. Anyone who else has, and basically like everything else he said, he was like, everyone else who has unfollowed, 
they can unfollow me. I don't really care. And it's like, that's your job as an artist is to like realize who you are and share that with the world. And maybe that challenges people because like, it's challenging to learn who you are. Yeah, totally. Like who you are isn't always easy for (laughs) people to accept. And I love, yeah, that's awesome. I saw Jason tweeted, like, I saw one of those where he was like, I lost some followers, but I get to keep my whole soul. <laughs> like that's amazing. <laughs> that's great. That's you know, like, so good. Be yourself then to I don't know, get the most followers. Well you see people like kind of lie and like cater what they think should be said to people. Yeah. And it's like it's kind of bullshit, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. Oh, didn't you work with Jason on on a past project? Is that yeah. Was I right in assuming that? Yeah, he sang on my album When You're Ready on one of the songs. Um, I opened for him before that in at the Ryman. He did like one of those things where he does like a million nights at the Ryman <laughs> in December. I forget how many. It was like 12 nights in a row at the Ryman. So I got to open for one of those shows, and that was super fun. Um, and then I asked him to sing on my record in the spring he- after that, and he came home and sang on one song. It was super exciting. What was that? Does Jason, like, he doesn't strike me as someone, like, who has, like, a vocal producer with him or anything. No, it was just, like, him there. He just kind of, like, showed up. He's super low-key. And then he played on, um, Ryan Hewitt was producing another band, I think, that he was, that Jason was going to play on. Um, So he played some electric guitar, and it was, like, it was so, I always forget, like, how much of an amazing guitar player he is, too. It was just cool to see that. He's a wildly great guitar player. Yeah. He's wildly so good. Totally. <laughs> um, when you're working with someone like Jason, how does that work? Is it just like, does he come in and he, he's like, listen, y'all, three takes and I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he no like demands or anything. He was really <laughs> chill about everything. But he did get it in like three takes just because he's really good. <laughs> Damn, that's so cool. That's so great. How'd you ask him? Was that in person or was it just like a, was it that sly like, Email your manager who like CCs his manager's assistant kind of a thing. Sly thing. I'm too afraid to ask people (laughs) to do things. (laughs) The the funny thing is like you hear about, you hear about people who undergo a certain perceived trauma or actual, like actual, actual trauma that PTSD, Um, but spectrums of trauma and they have the opportunity to gain self-confidence from that. And so, like, have you, going back to alopecia, this will be my last question on it, because I'm kind of wondering. I would think, like, that, like, you having the confidence to look somebody in the eyes <laughs> with, without a wig on, mm-hmm. like, that's, like, kind of a super strength, self-identification power. Have you, like, do you notice, like, a, a difference in your, in your psyche, like, when you're all walking around without, without a wig on? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think it's more like, like overall, I feel better when I am like going out and walking around without a wig on regularly. I just kind of overall feel more confident, and it kind of reminds me like that I'm accepting myself and like about it with people like with you right now. It's like just doing those things help me mentally in general. But when I'm walking around without a wig on, I just kind of usually forget about it. Sometimes, some days I'll feel like super confident without the wig and I'm like yeah and then other days I'm just kind of like not thinking about it some days I walk out without a wig and feel like oh god everyone's looking at me but so that varies but I think overall like it does help me feel a lot more confident 
Oh my God. And would, would the time come to where you don't perform with it on? I think so. Yeah. At least some, at least like <clears throat> time. Um, that's something I've been thinking about this last year that I'd like to do whenever we get to play shows again. <laughs> oh my God. So how does it, how many shows did you cancel? Oh, I don't even know. Like a ton. I had a pretty busy touring schedule this year. Um, and I don't even know which ones are like officially canceled or like still tentative. It's all totally up in the air. Oh what my about God. We had 19 shows canceled. Oh, okay. And we yeah. were doing, we had already done like 27 shows or something. And then we were going to, that was like just for like the first two quarters. And then we were going to go really, really hard in the last two quarters of the year. Yeah. Um, like go to Europe for like four weeks and like. With your own band. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, that would have been awesome. Hopefully you can next year. Well, we went last year for C to C, country to country. Yeah, that looks like a cool festival. Oh, so good. We went to like, we, our first show was like in Berlin, Germany. Have you ever been to Germany? Yes, I love Berlin. That's like my favorite city. Awesome. In in Europe or just like in life? It, uh, probably in Europe. <laughs> yeah, Berlin is something else. Have you been to Amsterdam and like or Holland in general? Uh, I liked Amsterdam okay, but it was a little more touristy than Berlin to me. I kind of liked Berlin was a little more like artsy. And Amsterdam, I just got trapped in all the tour- touristy areas. It was extremely touristy. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I liked biking around a little bit, but it was also kind of scary because everyone's biking so fast. Everyone's biking so fast in all of Europe. Do you do you recall the split sidewalks that they have when you're just walking and all of a sudden there's a biker coming? Yeah, it's terrifying. And they like run you over, I feel like. They're basically like little cars. <laughs> Did you like what's your favorite European city? Did you like Berlin? You know, I'll tell you, we, we played uh, in a place called Alkmaar. Mm. And uh, it was like it's like, have you ever been to Hoboken, New Jersey? Yeah. It's kind of like Hoboken to New York <laughs> from like Alkmaar to Amsterdam. Oh, okay. Nice. Not distance wise, but like in relativity. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up having this really beautiful Airbnb on a street where you couldn't drive on. It was like a cobblestone road. Oh, it's so nice. Oh, my God, it's so nice. And it was like, we had the day off. That's we were a hundred feet away from like a church that was built in like the 1500s that had like the same bells from when it was when it was built so it was just like that ultimate uh submersion into that european experience mm-hmm. and i love cannabis and so when we were there i was walking out i literally walked right out the door to try to find cell phone reception and i walked into what i thought was a coffee shop yeah and it was a coffee shop plus some other things. And like, that was, that was insane. The fact that you could just go buy weed for what would be a dollar in America uh, was that's like kind of taboo to me. And it's like, yeah. that's literally insane. I don't know if you smoke, if you smoke weed at all. I do every now and then, like I did when I was there and that was super fun. I kind of have like mixed, sometimes I have a lot of fun when I do and other times I don't really enjoy the feeling, but yeah. When I was you get- there, we were just kind of like, we like went to one of the coffee shops and just like smoked a joint and then just walked around the cobblestone streets. And that was so magical and fun. That's what I did that whole day oh, with my drummer, Will. And my God, it was so great. He has like these, Will's from like straight up Tennessee. Nice. And so he has like these Ariat like steel toe boots. 
<laughs> so they just sound like America. Like they're just so loud. They sound like if every time the boot knocks on the ground, you might as well play like a Bruce Springsteen song. And so we were just getting these looks all day. We're like, what is that? Because everyone over there's got like these Gucci loafers. Yeah, I know. They're also like Europe style vibes. I love seeing like super Southern people in like completely different environments. <laughs> well, that's a funny thing with bluegrass though. Like, isn't it like, because there's a jam scene in bluegrass, but then there's the innate lonesome Bill Monroe sound of the Appalachia. That's yeah. directly tied into the culture. Um, and you came in, you came at it, uh, you're from the Bay Area, yeah. right? And so it's like, what is that vibe like for you? Like, I'm assuming your parents don't have Southern accents. You certainly don't. <laughs> no. But neither of my parents do. My dad is from Illinois originally. And it's then, Midwestern. Yeah, Midwestern. So that's how he got into bluegrass. He, like, grew up on a farm, and they would listen to the Grand Ole Opry, and my grandpa played the banjo, and it was just, like, very, even though they weren't, like, from the same region as Bill Monroe or anyone. It was like very much a rural lifestyle and they grew up like playing that music. Um, and then my dad graduated college and moved out to California cause he was, I think he said it's cause he was like getting really into David Grisman and just the music scene out there seemed really fun. Dog. He wasn't planning to like be a musician or anything but then he kind of randomly ended up teaching music um, just by like stumbling upon this music store in Palo Alto where he's taught out of Alto, that's where Dana Morgan Music is where Jerry and Bob met from the Grateful Dead. Oh, I didn't know that. I knew Jerry had gone to Palo Alto High, which is where I went. Um, Yeah, so Jerry was teaching banjo lessons on New Year's Eve. (laughs) And he didn't even know it was New Year's Eve. And he didn't know any of his, that his students weren't coming because it's New Year's Eve. And um, Bob walked in and there, 50 some, 50, 55 years later, here we are. Oh man, that's awesome. Bob gave guitar lessons to my aunt, my mom's older sister, when she was in high school. Holy shit, are you telling me something I've never heard before about Bob Weir? <laughs> yeah, I believe it. That's literally insane. He's one of my biggest heroes. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, he was just teaching guitar and she said she would just, she wasn't like serious about playing guitar, but she just wanted to hear him play. I feel like she also had a crush on him because they were. <laughs> We would like go to concerts together every now and then. But yeah. Did she hook up with Bob Weir? Is she just not telling you? Like one of the great family like conspiracies theories slash history. <laughs> but she she won't confirm it? No, she's always like very vague about it. But then her my cousins who are hair kids are always like, Yeah, we think our mom dated Bob Weir, but we're not sure. Was this like in the sixties? Like do you know what year this was? It was like in yeah, probably in the sixties. It was Holy the- shit. That was a thing, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I know. So it's kind of crazy. Like, for someone his age, like, I don't see anybody his age like, killing it like that. Like, do you ever think, do you ever think about a, a few weeks ago, we were tracking a song. It was my first time out of the house in, like, months. Mm-hmm. And my... Uh, Nick, who's in, who's in the Cosmic Country band with me, brought some mushrooms over. And we took the mushrooms. And I haven't taken mushrooms intentionally ever in my life. That was my first time. I took them one time when I was on tour at the Wild Feathers mm-hmm. right after I turned 21 by accident. That was freaky. <laughs> That's oh, oh my god. It was terrible. It was insane. Did you but, have a trip or anything? No, both times I loved it. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> at least. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a fascinating thing. 
But the one thing I was thinking about this past week, and it's something I've been thinking a lot about, it's like, think, have you ever thought about how crucial your health and your state of being is to you being able to play music? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that and having a conversation about that with my boyfriend. I was like, because we were talking legends that we love who are like, can't play that well anymore. And like Tony Rice. Yeah, like people who just can't really play that well. And I'm like, oh, I was just saying like, that's so sad. I like, I hope I can still play. I wonder, I was like making up, like coming up with theory. That's so funny you mentioned it because I was talking about this so much today. Like maybe it's like- Yeah, tell me about it. What were you saying? What were you thinking? I was just wondering if maybe it has something to do, like your playing ability later in life could have something to do with like learning it really young and it's like more ingrained in your brain, but then maybe it also has to do with just like general health and taking care of yourself. Yeah, it's hard to say. What do you think? Oh, fuck. I think it's a shot in the dark. I think you got to work as hard as you can on a daily basis. Totally. Um, you know, to stay healthy. It's like, you know, it's weird for me because my mom was 21 when she had me. And um, my biological father, they, they ended up not staying together because they were, you know, they, they were young kids. But my, my actual father, like my father, father. Um, I obviously don't have his, his genes cause I don't have him in my bloodline. Um, so I don't know what the second half of me has. I, I could do a 23 and me, but it kind of freaks me out. I don't know if you're, I don't know if they're accurate either. Like, have you done one? No, I haven't. Some of my, uh, some people in my family have, I don't really remember what their results were. It just freaks me out to think like, just the, the concept of mortality is like really like it's it's both a really relieving thing like you can kind of get that weight off your shoulders yeah. but it's really scary like really. it's really scary to think that all your life work could just be another drop in the bucket yeah definitely and i don't i don't know like i guess that's a positive thing I guess you can just keep that perspective in your mind. Here's a great, actually, like, I don't know if you can relate to this, but like, have you ever like been like, they, there's a story about Jerry Garcia when he was at the Fillmore West and uh, they put an ungodly amount of acid tablets in a cake. Uh-huh. I've never taken acid, but, <laughs> and um, he was so afraid and so paranoid after eating the cake. He honestly thought that there was mafia members coming to, Oh my God. Come and kill him while he's on stage. He thought people were going to kill him while he's on stage. <laughs> he said, though, from that day on till his last gig, he said this. Now, everyone says admirable shit, but doesn't always own up to it. <laughs> Jerry was a human. And um, he said, every day from that point on, I played as if my life depended on it. Wow. That's cool. He's like, I'm going to play so hard that if I die, I'm going to be happy they killed me at this show. Wow. That's awesome to think about. Have you ever thought about like your mantra and the meaning that like before you go on stage, do you try to remind yourself like a good friend of ours? Great example. Steve Poltz. Yes. Yeah. Right. When, and here's a great thing too. It's like when we say Steve Poltz, we smile. Totally. It's almost as if your actions, it's almost as if your actions are ghosts that live in people's memories. That's true. Yeah. Cause I've never once said Steve Poltz to somebody who doesn't know him, to someone who knows him and hasn't smiled. I know, literally every, like, every show I play, I usually play one song that I've written with Steve because I've written so many with him. And there's like, always 
a little Steve Paltz section of the audience that is so happy and they're like cheering. Every time I say Steve Paltz, they're like, yes. And they'll come up to me at the record table and be like, we love Steve. And I feel like he just makes people so happy. And every time I see him play, he's like, this is my favorite show ever, I've ever played. <laughs> Steve says that. Yeah, he said that every single time I've seen him play. It's awesome. Have you seen his iPhone bit? No. When he talks into the phone and Siri starts insulting him? No, I have not seen that. That sounds amazing. <sighs> There's this thing that Steve told me though when, when he was on the podcast and he was like he was telling like he was telling me he does like a perspective check before he goes on stage each day. And he's like, I'm going to bring positivity to these people. That's I'm going to will these people into a full-on happiness swing oh. and make sure that they're jumping up and down by the end of this set. <laughs> and it's like, it's kind of like that Michael Jordan, like Jerry Garcia, like I'm going to do, this is the last time. It's the last gig. And it's like, have you ever done that in the past? Like consciously And like the question too is like moving forward. Will gigs like have a different meaning for you because we've been like, they've been siphoned from us. Right. Yeah, I think moving forward, I want to be more intentional about that and like what I'm what energy I want to bring on stage, like maybe taking a moment to reflect before going on stage. I think I do somewhat like when I can remember to, I'll try to just envision the audience and like just feel really grateful for them all coming to the show and just try to feel a connection with them before I go on stage. But that's but then there's other times I just kind of like rush on stage frantically and I want to make that more of a practice to really be mindful of. Practicing, are there things that you, like you've obviously been performing for so long and you have such a, a realized style and the way that you deliver your music and craft it, but it's like, are there any things that you're focused on or is it actually you trying to not focus on things and you just more or less be a conduit um, with music right now when you're performing yeah oh yeah um yeah I think just trying to like feel the music I guess I get I can get really in my head I think especially coming from bluegrass that's so technical I can get really in my head about like making little technical mistakes or singing sometimes I'll think I'm singing out of tune and get really in my head about that so I try to like just not think about that and try to convey the song maybe think about the lyrics of the song or think about the audience um just something to get me out of my own head like focusing inward on myself try to focus out do you read books yes <laughs> oh my god there is a great book called effortless mastery by kenny warner have you heard of that book I've heard about that so much from people i've never read it though oh it's so good it's, it's just kind of the way to like really like it's the concept to it, it's really the concept of which a lot of people I don't know if you ever dabbled in this concept, but there's really no mistake, which is kind of the Bob Ross thing, right? Like happy little accidents, but it's like, it's like there really is no mistake. It's just you executing something that your ego deemed is wrong. Right. That's so true. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to accept that though. I know <laughs> it really is. Especially when I've like, uh, yeah, little technical blunders. I'm like, if I hit a wrong note, I can be like, oh, maybe I'll make this into a little string of different notes than, or like try to make it sound cool in a way. But when I actually just kind of like mess up and maybe stop playing or like hit a weird sounding note, then I'm just like, uh, or get out of time. Those little technical errors kill me. And it's hard for me to be like, those aren't mistakes. 
but I, I don't know how I don't know how you don't get out of time like with your with yeah. the with your right hand technique like I don't get that <laughs> with my hand technique specifically yeah like it's so high intensity like it's like literally before I started guitar I was trying to skateboard <laughs> <laughs> and like I was just the worst skateboarder. Like no one had the no one had like the cooth to like tell me like stop in this Learn to learn to skateboard. You, you want to learn to skateboard? I kind of want to learn to longboard, but again, like I have no natural like athletic or coordination. Have you ever thought about yourself going on a longboard in East Nashville with no weight on? Like that would be the coolest, most brave thing I've ever seen. That would be pretty awesome. Okay, that'll be my motivation. Because my main goal, my end goal is I really want to learn how to surf. But I feel like now I can't really get to any ocean anytime soon or take a surfing lesson. So maybe if I learned longboarding, that would help with balance or something. Oh, God. Surfing is really hard. I grew up, before we moved to Nashville, I grew up on the beach in New Jersey in the Seaside Heights. Um, surfing is extremely difficult. Yeah. It it's, I can't even swim, though. Like, I literally grew up on the beach and I can't swim. I <laughs> know I can't like I tried it was every every sport was bad for me I tried so I was just bad at all of them guitar was really like the first thing in my life where I was like yeah like totally that's exactly how I felt too I tried so many sports are you serious what sports <laughs> I love this because so many guitar players I connect with they're like yeah like I actually like I had like a I had like a full ride to like to like play for Auburn, but I decided to pick up guitar. And like that week, I wrote a number one song. And it's like, okay. Really, sometimes they're like, I'm good at sports. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what sports were you? What was the sport you were worst at that you recall? Do you remember like that feeling of like really trying so hard as a kid and just failing? Yes. Um, well, every sport, like I was on a sport. <laughs> epic fail like <laughs> again with the alopecia like it was kind of stressful to play with a hat or a wig on because it was always it would get knocked off i think that you were playing with a wig on is there anything like so i have a friend who has dentures and he has like fix a dent oh yeah so is there is there like a lubrication or actually don't you don't need lubrication you need an adhesive for, yeah, for a wig and yeah it would stay on pretty well so that wasn't like a main deterrent but and then I tried running team and I was so bad teacher kicked me off I was running with like this guy who was like a heavy smoker and we would run and like I didn't smoke but he did a lot and I think it made him worse at running but I was just like naturally horrible at running and he was like my running partner we would run like so far behind everyone and like stop and walk a lot but then my main epic fail was like my friend wanted me to join the badminton team because she was on it what is badminton how does that work what what is that even so you have like a little racket that looks like a tennis racket but it's smaller and then the little badminton birdie is like super light and so it's like a mini tennis court almost and you're like hitting it over um but yeah she was a year ahead of me and pretty good at badminton and she was on the team and she was like you have to join so we would practice like every day after school. I'd practice badminton and she would help me and coach me. And then, so I tried out for the team with my other friend. Um, we both tried out and we were the only two people who didn't make the team. It was very sad. But then the next year I really wanted to get out of PE. So then me and my other friend got a teacher to help us start the ultimate Frisbee team. 
and that was my one success but we were the worst team ever we didn't play any other teams we just like divided our team into two and would play each other but we <laughs> With two people playing frisbee? Like, it was more than two. We would just had like a team of maybe like ten people. Then we would just do five on five. But we never like traveled to play other schools' teams or anything. Five on five on frisbee? The fuck? <laughs> That's intense. It was pretty intense. That was like the most fun I ever had playing sports. Is your boyfriend good at sports? Um, no. He's That's not very athletic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I. Like do yoga with me or whatever but he does yoga with you though that's good and it's really hard to get him to <laughs> is what he was just not flexible um he's kind of flexible he just doesn't really like doing it that much he doesn't he's not the most active person i'm always trying to get him to go on walks with me or do yoga and it's like it takes a lot of effort to get him to um do physical activity <laughs> got a longboard on it you got to show him you gotta get that longboard going yeah, longboard for sure. <laughs> oh my god, that is wild! I love the fact that we have that shared deficiency. In life. I know, me too. And then we both turned to guitar. <sighs> oh my gosh, do you feel like there's anything that when you were? <clears throat> I don't like going in the past because that's a silly, like Western kind of concept to think that. Honestly, just to like, it's like to separate yourself from the past to now when those really are two, you know, directly tied uh, behaviors of being. Um, but the, in a relatable sense, I was thinking about this the other day, like, is there anything that you feel like a younger Molly Tuttle had when she was really not accomplished yet on guitar? <laughs> Do you feel like there's any advantage in that perspective that she had that over you that you might presently have now? Oh, yeah, that's a good... I think when I was younger and just starting out, I like, I just had more drive to like practice guitar all the time and like really wanted to get better. I felt like I just saw myself, I could see like the progression I wanted to make. And now that I've been playing for so long and like put in so many hours practicing, I'm like, well, where, what do I want to do next? That's more of like a vague question to me than when I first was starting out and just wanted to like get better at guitar i guess right it's like because probably your desire then was like to just get better at the instrument yeah just get more technically proficient get better at improvising i feel like improvising is something that you can just endlessly like i'm not really working on my technique but i'd like to keep getting better improvising do you keep work on your, on your technique when you're touring like is it um not so much because you can just do it you can just pick it up yeah, the technique, I get frustrated with my technique sometimes. Why is that? <laughs> I just feel like sometimes when I hear it back, my right hand is, uh, the notes aren't like as clear and defined and punchy as I want them to be. Sometimes it sounds a little like they're too, almost like too smoothed in together or something. That doesn't really make sense. But <sighs> I hear someone like Brian Sutton or Billy Strings and their notes are just like, da -da 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 -da, like so in your face. I kind of wish... I played more like that sometimes. I just feel like I don't have as much power as them. Do you think that's literally a physical thing because you're a female or no? I've never thought of it that way. I think like I just have a way different technique than them. And like the way I'm playing so much with my wrist, which are like smaller muscles. And I feel it's like- It's an advantage, yeah. Maybe bigger muscles. I don't know exactly. Maybe more rest strokes or something, but I've never subscribed to like 
women will naturally play guitar different because there's so many women who are awesome and can do things that <laughs> oh. Like, oh my god yeah like are you familiar with larkin poe just in regards to like a present day peer yeah like they're so so facile on the internet yeah, i love them they're awesome like her um when i think of something like Tony strings or like brian something like that to me is just like that's not nearly as innovative as what you're doing like with your technique like like in, with all ego aside like i don't know if there's anybody who does what you do on the guitar that's had as much of a visibility reach as you have mm. oh thanks well it's like surely you know so it's like it's almost like you're doing your own thing like <laughs> truly almost like in the way like jerry reed did his own thing on the guitar <laughs> yeah i mean i've always tried to have my own style and seek out guitar players to learn from that weren't like Tony, like everyone in bluegrass kind of steals from Tony Rice, and I always wanted to find, to dig a little deeper and find other influences for my bluegrass playing. Was that just because that stuff was like too easy for you, or was it because you, I wonder, I'm just wondering like if it's a subconscious thing, because if you constant, if you somehow deep down want to, like want to separate yourself from the crowd, and maybe you never identified it as that. I was thinking for me as of late, there was something that happened right when I started dedicating my life to guitar and music. When I, I realized I started kind of deterring away the things that were very much widely acceptable. Like it's kind of that thing where it's like, if you want you to determine you want to make a music career, a lot of people stop um, subscribing to what the mass media of, of general population listens to. Like a lot of guitar players don't like John Mayer. And then like, they'll be like, they'll diss on you for liking John Mayer. And right. it's like, the most mass, right? Like the Michael Jordan. And it's like, I'm wondering like, that there's something for me I realized as of late. It was like kind of ego in me wanting to develop my own style being like, I just want to be different for everybody. I, I kind of want people. Have you ever thought about like what drove you to actually like develop your own style and put your attention into something that was uniquely different than something, even someone like me who knows so much about guitar, I've never heard it done before. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think, like, I've never thought about that a lot, but I've always known it was a thing that, like, I always kind of wanted to have a different sound, and um, maybe it's kind of an ego thing of, like, I want to stand out and have my own sound, but then, like... In a good way. You can... I've just always really admired guitar players who, like, you hear two notes, and you're like, oh, it's that person. Um, So that's, like, goal. That was always my goal, too. Who is like the last guitar player or honestly, just like, what's the last piece of music that like made you fall in love with music? Like you can be in a constant state of love. Like when you're, I was in love once and it was like, (laughs) you just see like the person in the kitchen. You're like, damn, I love this person. It's like, so you can be in a constant state of love, but like, even if it was today, like what was the last piece of music that like made you forget about all the shit that's happening right now? Yeah. It's like this world feels like it's the last day of school and the teacher is just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm putting on the VHS player and you guys don't talk to me. <laughs> so it feels like, it's like, what's going on? So like, I need music right now. And like, I haven't felt that in a couple days. It scares me. It is scary. I felt like so on and off with listening to music. Like sometimes I just don't want to, but today I turned on 
um, Perfume Genius, who's a great songwriter. Blake Mills. Yeah, that new record and the song um, Without You. I was listening to that today, and I was just like, oh, it was like hitting me in my heart. So I needed that today, and that was probably the last one that I fell in love with. The um, new. What is it about that you love? Um, I just, I don't know, like the lyrics and everything. I just love how it's produced, and his voice to me is always so emotional. Like, I really believe everything he's saying. Um, mm. I like that about it. And the, I don't know, the production's awesome. Are you into vinyl? Is that a thing for you? Like, I have some vinyls, but like, I guess going back to like the laziness thing, my record <laughs> worked in like six wow. or seven months. I don't know why, but I like to, I just don't want to like, I don't know how to troubleshoot it exactly. So. <laughs> I love that. I honestly think those things, I think we do that. I think we're lazy for a reason. Have you ever thought about that? Like clearly there's some things in life you're not lazy about. Like, cause you're super, like you're widely successful. You're positive. You're a happy person. You're also a person. So I'm sure you have your sad days, but it's like, at least on the onset, you seem like a really optimistic person. So like you're doing a lot of things, right. But it's like, Clearly, but it's funny. It's like, I wonder if our subconscious is like, you know what? Ultimately, you don't really care about the vinyl. Like, that's all right. Kind like, of, so. I don't give a fuck sometimes about vinyl. I could care less. <laughs> to me, it's like fun. Like, it's kind of icing on the cake. Like, I like listening to a record. But yeah, again, like, I feel like people, like I'm kind of a focused person. Like, I'll focus on one thing. Maybe that's like how I've gotten better at music in some ways, but I'm not going to like be scurrying around, like trying to fix my record player and doing whatnot. What is it that presently puts you in the state of flow? The state of flow being that kind of serotonin, dopamine um, state of, of functioning where time and space really actually go into your peripheral view and you're really just focused on the task at hand. Is there something I, for the past literally two weeks, have not been able to access that at all. It's almost like they shut down for business and like, I can't, I'm like knocking on the doors. I'm like, is anyone inside? I feel the same way. I felt actually really scattered like lately and like, it's hard to stay off social media and like stay off the news. And I mean, I like to stay informed, but it can be a lot and it can be easy to burn out. I guess last night I was just kind of sitting with my guitar playing, um, just learning people's songs and playing songs. And that was really nice. Oh. Brief moment of like feeling just happy and like just totally immersed in what I was doing and I haven't like I haven't felt that way in a while either oh my god oh, I feel like it's the more success you gain with something the more desire that comes with it and that clouds your ambition and your focus right yeah totally um okay I know you have another interview coming up soon I'm gonna let you go but one thing popped in my mind when you said social media um I, I think social I feel like the front page of somebody's iPhone tells you more about them than somebody can tell you about themselves. Whoa, the front, wait, what do you mean the front page? So like, <laughs> so for everyone watching the video of this, I'm gonna pull up my iPhone XR and we're gonna, we're gonna do a thing. So like very much from the home screen, we have a cyber truck, so we're already aware of my desires. Right. And it's like, from here's my home screen. Literally Spotify, organizational shit, Instagram. Thing. Etc. Facebook. Right. No dating apps. <laughs> I don't do those. Those are weird. Those freak me out a little. Yeah, People that's... find love on those. People find love. And I'm not judging anybody. I'm sure you can. Totally. Um, what is, like, what, what are you rocking? 
my home screen. I'm taking a picture of this like tiny stump house. Like, oh, is that because you want to live in a stump house? Maybe. It's like a little hobbit house for animals. I want a hobbit house so fucking bad. I want a tiny house. I'm all, Oh, yeah. I love tiny houses. I'm always looking at Airbnb um, for hobbit houses. You and your boyfriend should go stay in Joshua Tree. They have these nice tiny houses out there that are all glass. I've never been to Joshua Tree. Oh, you gotta go. Um, yeah. And okay, yeah. You just, just like the normal. I don't think I've ever like moved my apps or they're still like the normal. Oh my God, you're so normal. You even have the health app. See? That's true. I what like a nice person you are. I've done in a day. I'm such a piece of shit. I don't have that. I deleted the health app. I said no. That's a bald move. No health. <laughs> What's the Instagram page that you're least proud to be following? Off the top of your head. I know exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Paris Hilton 2000s. It's all pictures of Paris Hilton from the 2000s. It makes me really nostalgic. <laughs> what about you? Oh, uh, Matty Matheson. You know him? No. He's really funny, man. Actually, probably damn wide, probably damn long neck. Are you familiar with damn long neck? Damn long neck is freaking gross. I'll send you his, uh, I'll send you his page. Mm-hmm. It's really simple, just like super like base human behavior, which I try to not like. You have to be in touch with that primitive side of yourself to like, totally. you know. But it's like it kind of embarrasses me. Like I would never show my mom <laughs> content that he posts on his page. But Paris Hilton, here's a great thing. Have you watched the Paris Hilton documentary on Netflix? No, I that's don't. inadvertently about her. Wow. Okay, I'm not like I used to watch the simple. I saw like one season of Simple Life when I was in middle school, but that's kind of as deep of, as I've gone until now. This is way better. This is Paris Hilton's a genius. Wow. She's a literal business tycoon. She is wow. an absolute genius. She's an amazing example for women in certain lights. You know, certain women probably wouldn't appreciate. You know, her leveraging her the conventional aesthetic and and, and feeding into the propaganda of of you know conventional male-female dichotomy and interaction in, like, Western culture. You know, like, it's kind of tyrannical in the present day. But she's, like, she's made billions of dollars and, like, turned, like, her natural wealth into, like, billions more dollars and, like, kind of created influencer culture, which, like, you and I directly profit off of today. So it's, like... First one who was just famous for being famous. famous. Or maybe not the first, but... (laughs) I've ever heard a lot about her. She did a thing where they literally sold a fake line of product in 20 minutes and they raised a quarter of a million dollars. They didn't even sell real products. They just made up. It's pretty messed up. It's pretty fucked up. They ended up uh, donating all the money, which was fine. You know, but it's like absolutely crazy. I forget what it's called, but I'll send it to you. Okay. You really would. You really would love it. It's really cool. Fat Jewish is in it. I don't know if you're familiar with the Fat Jewish. Yeah, I've heard of, I think I followed Fat Jewish. Oh, so cool. <laughs> Meme culture, etc. Um, hey, but the one thing we didn't talk about, uh, which was, we spoke about in our last conversation, mm-hmm. which unfortunately for my hard drive fails, but we talked about the track that you released with Old Crow Hi. and you mentioned that you're working on some other projects presently. So is there anything like that people who are Molly Tuttle fans like me would want to know that you're putting out into the world or you're presently excited about working on? Yeah. I've been, I've been recording in my room, just some covers of other, like I, that track with Old Crow was a Neil Young cover, but I've been doing some other, just learning to record Pro Tools and sending it to other people to record on. Um, been doing some 
covers that I think will be a little unexpected from where I come from musically for people oh, to hear. Hopefully those will be coming out soon. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. Is there, a, is there a title on there that you could share or would you prefer not to? Um, it's also up in the air at this point, so I don't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Podcasts are the right place for wrong things. If there ever was one, but I totally understand that. <laughs> well, the hey, tentative- What's that? The tentative title is dot, 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 but I'd rather be with you. Oh, that's so dumb. Or you can do lowercase b, lowercase everything. I kind of want to do lowercase, yeah. I feel like lowercase is like you tip in the hat to be like, yeah, we test. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, it's, it's, really, it's really refreshing to talk to you. And like, I truly just admire what you do on such a high level. Um, so. This is so th- fun. I love talking to you. I'm a big fan of yours. Thank you. Thank you. That's dope. That's really kind. I never say dope. I don't know why I said it now, but I just did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, I'll talk to you later and enjoy the rest of uh, quarantine and everything else that's happening in the world. I can't, I can't wait to see you soon. I wonder if we can learn from other people's pain in a way that it can be likened to a pain that we've had. It's really fascinating to hear about other people's struggles. It's really fascinating to hear about how they perceive their struggles and how they overcome them and how some people don't overcome their struggles, right? And I'm sure you're guilty of both in your life, and so, so am I. It's really a fascinating thing to be able to try to learn from other people's approach to struggles and other people's approach to pain. We're all in this ride together, y'all. We're all in this ride together. So I want to thank y'all for listening to this with Miss Molly Tuttle. Again, go check out that new track that she just dropped with Old Crow Medicine Show. Show. Sorry, I had to. I didn't want to hit the major seven there. I had to hit the root. Um. Hey, listen. Again, we are, we always start off the Lost Highway with some Grateful Dead. Touch of Gray. Uh, 7489. Come on. Just a prime year for Jerry. And then we had Molly Tuttle. We had her new song with Old Crow Medicine Show. Helpless. The Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, Nash. And Neil Young again hit. And now what we're hearing here is George Jones' first cut of Why Baby Why, which actually is really reminiscent of his time when he was really doing the Hank Williams thing vocally. Um, again, y'all, I appreciate y'all listening to this podcast. Please go indeed check out the new record, A Young Man's Country. is coming out August 7th, the first record, the first Cosmic Country full-length record. It's coming out through 13J Productions, marketed and distributed by Cosmic Country Music. Robin Ford produced it with me. He's an absolute hero of mine. It's literally insane. We have a podcast episode dropping with him soon. But go check out the new single, Luck of the Draw, on my YouTube. Check it out on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Amazon, Deezer, TikTok, the whole whole shebang. Y'all stay positive. Y'all stay cool. Y'all stay cosmic. Why, baby, why?